0: It's hard to tell which sites are safe and which are downright sketchy. But with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi Advanced Security, it's easy. It protects all your connected devices, helps you avoid sketchy sites, and even sends real-time alerts straight to your inbox or phone. Plus, you can always check in with the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. So the only surprises are that there are no surprises. Learn more at cox.com pano. Restrictions apply. Copyright 2020. Cox Communications, Inc. All rights reserved. I'm David Ellicou, and this is The Knowledge. A place for discussing big ideas and pressing issues. Each week, I'll be joined by a variety of incredibly interesting individuals for learnings, musings, and discerning chinwags on everything you need to know to navigate the world around you. This week, I'm talking with Christiana Ilya, an environmental consultant and the founder of Hibby's Drinks. She's sharing the realities of running a sustainable brand, especially during a pandemic. You can find Christiana on social media at Hibby's Drinks underscore. If you like this episode, please do rate, review and subscribe and feel free to share it with a friend. So you're an environmental consultant. Mm. What does that consist of?
1: Um, So it just has to do with um, research, largely based on research. Um, I do a lot of work around um, understanding um, policies on behalf of the environment agency. Um, So I do a lot of uh, interpretation and... um, I I write reports, I I do presentations and RVEs. It's it's largely I would say project management to to an extent. Um, mm. so with that being said, we we tend to have um a large number of schemes that we deliver on behalf of um, the environment agency. Um, there are sites as well that we kind of assess just based on what the needs are, and um we then provide um, an overview of how like, conservation can take place depending on what the, the issue is or what the prescribed um, solution is. Um, so yeah, I think it, it differs from one project to another but largely that's, that's the nature of my work.
0: Okay, sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what drew you to that? Is it that you particularly care about the environment or is it just that's kind of where you ended up on your journey?
1: Yeah, sure. So at uni I actually studied um um social science and within that there was um a module on there that was um environmental policy. Um, so I think that okay. sparked an interest for me. Um largely I've I've always been I think I've always had an interest for learning about how to um, relate with my natural environment. And I do enjoy being around green spaces. And so learning about how policies actually impact on the way that we relate with the natural environment and what that means in terms of being able to um, harness conservation, especially on a local level, I think is something that um, I take particular interest in. Mm-hmm. Um so post um my undergrad I decided to do a masters. I did my masters in environment and um sustainable development. Um so that broadened my understanding of um the key issues that I inherited in that space and I just um kind of understood like how crucial um conservationists and mm. why for instance climate change is actually an issue um, I know there are political um, well, political arguments around whether climate change is actually a thing or not um, mm. but I think that generally there is that conviction that I don't know I had a, a personal sort of understanding of what the key problems are and Um, just being able to work where I work and and doing what I do gives me that sense of, okay, I'm actually giving back in my own little way.
0: Okay, fair. That makes sense. And I definitely agree in terms of just being passionate about the environment. And it's something that I guess I have had to go on a bit of a personal journey to come to. So I would currently describe myself as an environmentalist. Perhaps not as my yes. you know primary adjective or yeah. whatever it is, but, but that is something that, yeah, it's something I do care about a lot. Um, although I, I probably haven't always been that way. And it's probably more mm. of a recent, or at least in the last few years, something I've kind of developed into. But I think part of the reason, I remember like one of the big, things that did convert me into being a lot more active was seeing other people who I felt were a lot more like me that similarly cared about the environment.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, because I feel like sometimes you hear people that, you know, say they care and da 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 da, but they are, you know, perhaps a bit too kind of crazy or, like, off the edge. Not crazy, but... (laughs) You know
1: what? Yeah, definitely. There is a spectrum, and we're all dotted around um, either side of it or in the middle, depending on um, what, it, yeah, what the exactly. driver is, really. Yeah, so I, I totally get yeah. you.
0: And I think also hearing about a lot more about what some people. So I remember I went to, I was invited to Innocent Drinks to their kind of London office. We went on a oh. tour. And um, someone from the, I think it was the head of the, the marketing team was kind of telling me a lot more about all of the initiatives that they're doing and everything they, yeah. that they do on a business level to make sure that they themselves are a sustainable company. But then yeah. also on an enterprise level in terms of the way that they work with, um, you know, farmers and people that will actually yeah. work in different areas um, and how they help them. And I guess that's Absolutely. one of the things that came to mind when I was hearing about Hibby's drinks. Because mm. would you say that it was kind of your caring for the environment that drew you to start the, the company, and also why yes. why drinks?
1: Yeah, so definitely, I think my background um, has or had a, a huge influence um, in in the direction of taking with Hibby's. Um So Hibbies came about. Um, the result as a result of my my interest my overall interest in sustainability. Um, uh-huh. Obviously, as far as like the like the key flavors are concerned, um, I remember I think it was a trip I made um, down to Nigeria in twenty seventeen um, to out the northern part of Nigeria, where um, my my um, extended family lives. Um, so. I made that trip there, visited my grandmother and generally I would not say I've actually never tried a spring, but for whatever reason, uh just having this sense of how natural the the environment there is and how fragile it is at the same time. Um and the need for economic um sort of activity to keep keep them going just got me thinking about how um People there can be engaged, right? Mm. So, a large majority of people who live in northern Nigeria, for instance, rely quite heavily on their natural environment to grow um, uh, to grow crops that they they um, they live off, as well as actually selling uh, in order to afford their livelihood. Um, so, just having, I think, I remember one of the key drinks that at the time of Zobo and I remember thinking like wow this is a really natural drink and they do very little with it as far as processing and they don't add any additives or preservatives or anything and obviously mm. hibiscus for instance is a very um is a very healthy herb and it has so many nutritional values and I thought this would do really great in England it would do really great um here in the uk and obviously it's, it's a well-known um as a well-known recipe um in nigeria and i, I think it's something that Ghanaians actually have as well so it had me thinking how can i actually bring all of these elements together um mm. in a very sustainable way so in my mind i thought it would be great if i can actually um get the farmers involved actually buy by buying some of these um, herbs that they grow because um, they grow them in different seasons as well. So actually engaging them in that way um, without um, overworking the natural environment. And um, whilst also um, giving the consumers something new or different to try that is equally uh, good for them. So. I think that's where the ideas started coming. That's that's where I kind of thought, yeah, I've actually got something I could try out. um, Something that's Hmm. both good for the environment and the people. Um, And so yeah, that's that's where that came about. Um, And uh, yeah, I think definitely um, my approach was definitely influenced by. My background and the way that i was thinking was obviously from a sustainable perspective in that sustainable development obviously has to do with um being able to incorporate the needs of the environment people and how economically sound it will be as well and yeah. so being able to have some, an idea that actually brings all of these values together without and sort of limiting other aspects is is something that is coined as sustainable. Um, So I think, yeah, just having that idea going in um, allows me to then think about ways that I can actually do it in a way that benefits people, the environment and the consumers as well. So by people, I mean the farmers that actually grow um, the craft store would then be used so yeah, yeah that's
0: pretty much where that came came from okay sure Now I think it's it's definitely super important what you what you mention and touch on in that I think people mm. very often overlook the supply chains involved in mm. a lot of the products they consume and very often um, I think even when people say they're sustainable it's very much limited to what the business is doing maybe just in terms of like its carbon footprint or things like yeah. that and yeah. and very rarely actually is the business genuinely focused on improving the lives of the people in its supply chain and yeah. making sure that the supply chain itself is also sustainable
1: exactly exactly i mean i'm i'm not i'm not here to actually say that um um Hibby's has never done anything for or it's actually uh, the most sustainable business. But I think that it's all about the effort that um, small businesses such as Hibby's put behind um, their strategy as the effort that you make because at the end of the day, um, it's all the small efforts that actually add up to uh, make a, a massive impact in the long run so if yeah. we if we all chip in even as individuals, if we chip in and do our part, we're then able to see a long term impact that would make all the difference that we're we we're looking for um, so that's the way I see it and yeah,
0: yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. so, what's the process been like so far in terms of getting off the ground
1: um so this journey has actually been a uh, um a very bumpy one. I think most startups would actually relate. And
0: mm.
1: I I first started off with um, a brand called Mother Nature's, actually. So I went okay. away and um, rebranded, mainly because there was, for me, there, I, I felt like there was a, a pressure around actually having to live up to the name Mother Nature's and um obviously as a startup you can't necessarily like especially with financial limitations depending on where you're starting whether you have capital or not Um, for me i found that not being able to live up to the name was really important to me or it Mm. it meant i don't know if that makes sense so not starting off in the position that i wanted in terms of so, say, for instance, like being able to have my products in in glass containers, for instance, and um, being able to actually source most of my ingredients locally, for instance, uh, meant that carbon footprints cannot necessarily be um, kept at the minimum. Uh, yeah, so, no, I thought, you know, that's just kind of ironic, especially. Um, for a company that is um is called mother native um so and then that aside actually, just having the look and the feel and like um having a product that actually um represents the actual image of um the overall story was equally important, so that sent me back to the drawing board and I thought of a name that actually incorporates all of the values and and actually um looks the part as well. So Hibis is actually short for hibiscus. Um okay, that's yeah. where the that's that's how the name actually relates with um the brand. Um so I went to it. it started off in twenty seventeen, I like think late twenty seventeen um and then I think some time in twenty eighteen decided to rebrand the business. Um so from twenty eighteen up up until um I think January this year, um the entire process has been all about actually doing the background um background work and setting up the process, um registering the business, setting up um uh, the the finances and sorting out marketing and um, working with a business mentor to make sure that, um, you know, the, the plan that I have in place is um, robust enough and, and that the business will be resilient enough in the long term. So all of that process actually takes time, especially when you're a full-time work it elsewhere. So I think just being yeah. able to juggle with two and having to divide my attention I think is where most of the challenge came in. Um and I think that's something no one ever tells you. Um you just um you just learn as you go along. You know, you learn to adapt and um you learn to divide your time and and sometimes you you take breaks when you feel like you need to go away and think about your business strategy. Um, so for me, there there were times where I thought, okay, I need to go back to the drawing board and decide what exactly I'm aiming to achieve and what that would look like in the short term, um, and long term as well. Um, so yeah, in some ways it's been a very, um, not a straightforward journey it's been a, a really bumpy it's been a bumpy journey and i think yeah. most most um founders can relate with that sort of yeah definitely 100 percent. yeah yeah
0: i think it's one of those things where often the story that gets sold with entrepreneurship is very much tainted by survivorship bias so you get a lot yeah. of people that Say, ah, oh, you know, I just did ABC and it went like CDF and it was so fantastic. Da, 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 da. All you right. have to do is work hard and it exactly. will be fantastic. When really the reality for so many more people is that it's, it's a lot so of work.
1: Yeah. There's so
0: much more kind of beyond the surface and beyond kind of the easy wins. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of losses. There's a lot of no's. There's a lot of rejections. Absolutely. There's a lot of pivoting and having to recalculate your approach but I think in the end you are so much better for that um, yeah. having come out of that process where you're able to think and reevaluate and and rebranding is okay as well and and it's again one of those things where people think that because they initially thought of something and envisaged it being a particular way that's the way it has to be when actually you know if you're rebranding because you've made certain promises or you want to uphold certain values. I think that is far more important than your, you know, whether it's pride or ego or or whatever it is that you might be thinking of. Because like you were saying, I think Mm. the, the promise that you make and the values you have as a, as a business, they're, they're expensive. It's definitely not cheap and you definitely can't always do it, you know, like you were saying, for example, if you want to ship glass, then you can't be as carbon neutral, but then, you yeah. know, glass is more sustainable. So I guess it's it's finding that balance there.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you can't win on all grounds, can you? You just have to take mm. and choose what you're able to do with the resources that you have um, um, at all. Yeah, it's a business, so it needs to still be profitable um so yeah i think that's what it is yeah. and another aspect actually one of the reasons why i rebranded was around um um because i i collected feedback when i had a, a, a product so when i first made the trades um with, with the old brand i did sell for a, a short period of time and i used that opportunity to actually gather as much feedback as i could about the brand the taste the impression and um, so that yeah so just gathering um, opinions allowed me to have a general like a general overview of what people thought of what the brand looks like and what the, the the impression they get the first time they sort of um see see the product for instance, so that was a really useful exercise, and it fed directly into oh, my decision to rebrand um so it, it was really good absolutely
0: okay fair so tell me a bit more about um hibiscus because to be completely honest, it's one of those things where i probably heard a lot about mm-hmm. it, or at least just heard the the name. But to be honest, yeah. I probably don't know a lot about the plant itself. It's a plant, right?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a plant. It's a herb. It it okay. grows in it, it grows in um, tropical regions largely. So it, it also grows in South America, in um, in Asia, see Africa. Um, there are so many health benefits that come with um, hibiscus. So this particular type is actually called roselle. Okay. Now, um, you find, yeah, you find this, um, this type, you find them in, in, um, products such as tea, um, people use them for baking or even coloring. Um so, yeah, it's used for different things and it's actually a great preservative, it's a natural preservative. Um, as far as like the health, um, the health, uh, benefits is concerned, there they're, they're quite a number of them um, is a great antioxidant it's high in vitamin A and several others um, is this one of those um, ingredients that is is not well known at the moment not in this part of the world anyway obviously we know of Hibiscus tea if you're a tea person you would know um, yes, otherwise you, it, it might this. be that you you may have not you you do know it you've heard of it have you yeah I've heard of it yeah so there
0: you go um no it's good for you okay sure and in terms of the the recipes so I -hmm. know you mentioned that uh some of them are kind of widely known in terms of the drink itself but are are they all from the same recipe or are, are there lots of derivatives and also in coming to creating your own drink what what was that process like
1: sure mm. so um i think that i've come across different variations um but i think that most people tend to just have a basic ingredients in there which are largely um things like ginger um ginger lemon as uh, some people add um Cinnamon. It depends on what your taste is. So, um, well, I think these tend to be the the really common herbs and spices that people add to zobo. Um, well, I think with mine, I was more interested in actually preserving um the natural taste and adding some some fruits in there to give it a bit of flavour. And um, so, it depends on how you enjoy, um. The drink I think most people tend to add um bits and pieces in it to to give it more um more character um and I think that a lot of people make it just so that it's like a mocktail okay so i've 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 seen it served in in like um social settings so at weddings for instance I think I attended a wedding, and I think they served it with mint. Um, and I think in, in one of the other ones they had um, fruits like strawberries. So I think it depends on it. I think it depends on what you actually enjoy and how you choose to actually serve it. But people can get really creative with it. But I think in Africa, it tends to be quite straightforward, and they like it in a certain way.
0: We'll be right back after this break. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
1: Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh,
0: what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever
1: someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying.
0: The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You know, there's this thing where people seem to enjoy, you know, anything that seems ethnic or exotic, but not really from Africa. So if yeah, it's from, you know, Australia exactly. or South America or somewhere else, it's like, oh, this is cool, but it's never really African.
1: Africa, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I think I'm starting to notice more, more and more African-inspired brands coming up. And I think okay. it's just a great time to to be in this space and to have that recognition, especially for Africa. And, um people just willing to, to try something new and, you know, um, get a general feel of what people enjoy in, in that part of the world um, is, is obviously great. So it'll be interesting to see what that would be like in like a year or two. Um, and I think that, you know, the whole Africa to the world movement as well is, is, is supporting both um, ways, all those You know, this urge for people to who for people wanting to try um, something new and something that's actually coming out of Africa. And yeah, I'm really excited about that. I can't wait to see um, what the market would look like in about a year or two.
0: Do you think that things might be affected at all? Obviously, in the very short term, of course, things Mm -hmm. are affected right now with coronavirus and everything going on oh yeah but do you think it will have any long-term consequences or change things in any way moving forward
1: yeah um absolutely I think that it's only going to get better um I think with more and more um people coming online and like the overall awareness that people are having around um Creativity and generally I think depending on what the you know the economy would look like in africa or in African countries especially um it'll be interesting to see how people like brands are able to navigate um the market and actually get their products and services um across to other markets as well um with the African sort of brand, um, sorry, not African brand, with the African sort of inspiration behind it. Um, So yeah, it'll it'll be great to see what that would look like. But I think that it's going to be a a upward journey for most of these brands. Um, Obviously with the access that they now have, especially with the online presence, platforms that allow them to you know have their their products listed online and just having that sort of digital freedom to express themselves um I think is what is actually great, especially in this time, so it'll be great to see how how far they're able to then actually raise that bar and do more um in terms of actually developing their brands and bringing their products and services across to other markets.
0: Yeah, because I can imagine, particularly running a small startup or small business now, Mm -hmm. there must be a lot of challenges. Well, a mixture of challenges and opportunities, depending on what your product is, what your market is. How have you been finding navigating that?
1: yeah I think it's a very interesting time, especially with all that's going on with you know the coronavirus disruption. Um, and as a very new brand, I think that it's it's easy to to actually see the challenges that are are currently here. But I think that there is also opportunity to sort of take time to actually think about your business strategy. And uh, in in our case, just being able to sit back, um, understand the the market and all that's actually going on and think about ways that we can harness, especially our online presence and redirect sort of sale strategies uh, to... um, the online platforms that we currently currently have set up. Um, so, on that front, I think it's all about being resilient and thinking about how to to plan ahead, um, especially now that stores and restaurants um, are closed. So, thinking about how to approach sales, how to um, have a very healthy cash flow, and you know, limiting what. What spendings you have, and how to how to actually sort of um, keep some of the services in house, and decide, you know, once that you most definitely have to pay for. So I think it it comes down to decision making, planning, and um, making sure that your business strategy is actually airtight, especially in this time.
0: No, I agree. I think that's the challenge that a lot of people are facing in terms of planning for a mixture of the very short term in terms of how do you get through right now? How do you get through the next few weeks? How do you get through the next few months? But then also long term. And I guess part of the difficulty with thinking long term is we don't really know exactly what the future will be. Like when will things go back to normal? Is their future in in three months from now, and things will be back to normal, but will will things be slightly different? Will supply chains yeah. be the same? Yeah. will you be able to import and export things in the same way, especially if yeah,
1: okay.
0: like your business i can imagine if if everything is locally sourced, mm. then you know you wonder what kind of challenges you might have getting i guess on the ground all the ingredients getting together, whether things are made there or or produced here. But then also once they're here, you know, how, how does all of the supply chain work? So I guess there's a lot of thinking and, and planning, but I guess on the, the positive side is that, you know, if you can build a business that can survive during times like this, then I'm sure you'll be able to do well Mm -hmm. in almost any circumstance.
1: Exactly. No, I totally agree. I think what you said is—it's it's all about business, thinking about business continuity, as well as like how to develop your business in the long term. So, especially for new startups, just um, having a general idea of where you would like to go and, and thinking about um, different scenarios and what how those can actually unfold. Um, and planning for them as, as well, I think, is what's important. So it'll be good to um, it'll be good to to actually work out what that would look like in like a year's time, or two years time, when coronavirus is hopefully um, ended and you know businesses are up and running again. It'll be it'll be good to see what that would look like.
0: In terms of supply chain-wise, on the ground, what kind of impact do you see Hibis having on the local communities where the ingredients come from?
1: Yeah, I think that because we we rely quite heavily on supplies, especially for uh, the ingredients that we use on the drinks, it'll be interesting to see how they're able to cope with all that's going on because... Essentially, if 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 any of it, if any of all that's going on is actually affecting other businesses, especially suppliers, then it affects everybody, including businesses such as Hibis that rely on suppliers to have the key ingredients that we need in order to go away, go away and make our drinks. Um, so yeah. having that disruption generally affects everybody. Um, so it'll be it'll be um it'll be good if you know the the impact is actually not as far far reached as you know as it's being predicted otherwise um yeah it would be it would be very good <laughs> i don't know I can only hope and pray but obviously like i said it it comes down to planning and thinking about the worst case scenarios and actually planning around that and thinking about how your business can be resilient um, in the face of it all so
0: yeah and resilience is actually a surprisingly hard skill to foster because I think for a lot of people kind of goes back to what Mm -hmm. we were saying earlier you paint this idea of entrepreneurship being this very easy not necessarily just an easy ride but yeah quite a simple trajectory and actually yeah. then when the peaks and troughs do come I think that's when a lot of people tend to give up or yeah. tend to just reevaluate what they're doing or they might lose their focus or their north star and really start to doubt themselves and what yeah. they're building
1: absolutely I think that's the part that no one ever tells you um, you mm. kind of, yeah, you know, I think in most cases, people find out for themselves, um, the ups and the downs, you just have to, you know, keep focusing on what made you start what you, you started in the first place and why you're doing it. If there's no concrete reason then in some, in some cases, um, you'll be tempted to give up or just to pack up and, you know, try the next best thing. Um, yeah but at the end of the day I think again it has to do with why you started in the first place and what that means to you
0: I was also thinking even as you were talking just in general about kind of when things are starting to get back to normal I really hope that um, this does result in an uptick in more businesses becoming sustainable on one hand perhaps because you know saving costs and and more people working remotely which is kind of a an indirect way but also more directly in terms of because I do worry that because of everything happening people are going to want to move towards doing more things locally and less relying on on perhaps for good reason, but having to rely on people in other countries, just because if anything like this ever does happen again, sure. then a lot of people are stuck. But then on the flip side, there's a lot of economies that really do rely on the international trade and being able to work with businesses and exporting their, whether it's ingredients, whether mm-hmm. it's agriculture, their culture to yeah. to other nations. And I really hope that that is something that um, is right. part of, Our future, yeah,
1: yeah, I I definitely agree, and I think that we're beginning to see um, a shift in the way that we work, in the way that we um we we sell and and relate with each other. A large um large number of businesses um that had a online presence or perhaps didn't really have one are moving online now. Um, yes, and people yeah. are pushing for sales online and, and looking at ways that they can engage with um, their audience in in, in via online platforms so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what that would look like as far as um you know um, supply chain is concerned and you know what that means in terms of actually, getting um all of the um services that you need and um yeah all all of it all it'll be interesting to see how other businesses are able to actually ride with that sort of wave um but i, I do sense that there will be a change definitely i don't think things will go back to how they were um before all of this unraveled so i think it's just all yeah. about being prepared and making sure that we have the ability to go with the flow, so to speak. Um, yeah. Yeah. It'll be good to see what that would be like.
0: Yeah, but I think overall I do try to think it will be positive in the end to some respects, or at least that you know businesses will learn a lot from this process and from this period mm-hmm. of time and will hopefully be a lot better for it. And I definitely... <laughs> would think and hope the same for hibbies as well
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: yeah but hopefully you know in the next few months lots of people do get to to try it from home and also when they do get to come out as well
1: sure i mean at the moment um we are we are in the process of trialing um home deliveries and Mm. pushing for people directing people to um go on amazon or um our website to actually get the drinks that way um as you due to all that's going on, but at the same time it's it's generally convenient to <clears throat> to do that so yeah it'll be it'll be good to see um how people then react to the option of purchasing online and engaging with online platforms,
0: yeah. So we'll, we'll, did you say it will be available um, on Amazon as well, as directly from your website?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's, okay, um, it's currently listed on Amazon, just to provide oh, that awesome. bit of convenience and access as yeah, well. Because a lot of people shop on Amazon, so... Yes, um, yeah,
0: I was just thinking that. Although not always necessarily for drinks, but I guess yeah. that's kind of the beauty of... You know, Amazon is becoming a bit like Costco or or one of those supermarkets where you kind of go in for one thing, yeah, and then you stumble across so many other so different many things exactly that you didn't know you wanted, and then now you have a basket full.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're all guilty of that. That yeah, it just it just provides that added um, convenience for for people that enjoy online shopping. But I don't think that all of it's going to go away. Actually, I think that once or post coronavirus i think that people would still want to you know keep shopping online or i think that that trend would only go up
0: mm that's another interesting one actually like whether mm. people will keep cuz i guess so many more people now have switched to shopping completely online yeah you know will people actually want to go back to shopping In stores, or at least in the same volume as they were before.
1: Exactly. It'll be, yeah, we just have to wait to see what will happen.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in. Please do stay tuned for more. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, it really helps the podcast. And follow me on Twitter. Feel free to shoot me any thoughts. See you next time. Circle K is America's thirst stop. And yours. Especially when the weather gets... And you need to stay... Stay refreshed on the go with ice-cold Circle K favorites like freshly ground iced coffee, Froster, Polar Pop Cup, and more. And right now at Circle K, save on all 8 or 12 ounce Red Bull flavors. Buy two, get one free. When life's go, 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 make us your first stop. Because Circle K is America's thirst stop.
1: For National Nurses Week, Fortis is honoring the millions of nursing professionals in our community, caring for loved ones. More so today, the need for nurses is vital. And Fortis College and Institutes recruits people like you to train to become a nurse. Do you want to be a nurse? Start your essential career in nursing with a Fortis education. Just visit fortis.edu to learn about hybrid instruction and online enrollment. Then talk to Fortis by dialing pound 250, keyword nursing school.